Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I just felt there is such a touch on that song. And I actually want you to stand to your feet right now if you're believing God for a sizable, seemingly impossible miracle in your life. Like I, I just felt that, that there's something, yeah. There's some people with some very significant needs. And our world is awash right now with a a spirit of unbelief, and the devil is really working hard to try to steal your faith. And what I've found about faith over 48 years of being alive is that faith leaks. It actually needs to be refilled on a daily basis. You need, you need to be building that faith muscle because we live in a world that wants to, to stab God in the heart every day and wants to pull you down to its level and have you add your amen to its despair and its grief and it's nothing's going to change. But I believe in the name of Jesus today that we're going to see some miracles abound in this house. We're going to lift our faith. We're going we're to start to believe God. You know, that testimony that was on the screen by that young couple with the three cute kids and the miracle that God did for them. Sometimes it's easy to watch something like that and go, oh, good for them. All right, for some never happened for me. And that's how the devil works. He wants to sow seeds of doubt. So when you see a testimony like that, you feel discouraged instead of feeling your faith uplifted. But, but Jesus is here today and wherever Jesus is, miracles follow. So I want you to lift your hand. And right now, whatever it is where you're needing God to intervene, maybe it's an issue in your body and your need, you need healing today. You know, we took communion. Sherry shared so powerfully those who warfare with the blood of Jesus warfare with a weapon that does not know defeat. And the word of the Lord to you today is you to go home and you to take communion daily. It is your medicine. It is, it is your prescription from the Lord. If you need healing in your body, I want you to take communion daily. And I declare today in the name of Jesus, every sick person, we declare healing. We release the healing power of God. Jesus, you said the greater works than even the ones that you did, we would do. And Father, I thank you for every person needing healing in their body. I see, I see throat conditions right now being healed. Somebody who had, I guess, like a bad flu or something that triggered a response in their body and they've lost their voice and they haven't been able to speak the same and there's some issues there. God is healing you today. God is healing you right now in the name of Jesus. There's someone with terrible back pain, crippling, like on the, on the lower back, on the lower right side of the back. And I re release the healing power of God over you today. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, for our peace was upon Him and by His stripes you are healed. We declare healing over your body. Some of you needing a financial miracle. There's people here today and you need breakthrough in your finances. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Your word says that you stretch out your hand and you supply the need of every living thing. You know what your sons and daughters need today. Let their faith align with your word. Those who are in disobedience, let them come into alignment with what the word of God says today. Some of you here in this building and you've got sons or daughters who are away from God, I declare the prodigals are coming home in Jesus' Name. We speak to every child that is away from God and breaking their mother's heart. Father, we pray that they would have a divine intervention with Your love, with Your power, with Your presence. Father, we declare they will come home. They will not breathe their last until they have been reconciled to You and reconciled to their parents. And Father, for those who are just weak in their spirit today, not just needing to be uplifted, those who are heavy with anxiety, depression and fear, we speak life over you today. 
we declare over you, for the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love and a sound mind. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every tormentor, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of fear that is plaguing God's people in Jesus' name. I cast you out of here. I thank you, Lord, that you left us peace. We are recipients of your peace today. Let your peace fill every heart, your peace fill every mind. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. Shout amen. Give God a huge shout of praise. Receive your healing today. Receive the provision of your Father today. Get rid of your doubt and your unbelief. Jesus said, if you would only believe, you would see. It's time to get your believing in alignment with what God has spoken. Get the Word of God in your head, in your mind, in your heart, and let it be the compass that guides you. Go ahead and grab your seat today. I believe something significant is going to shift. I really do. I really, really do. And I'm excited to get into the Word today. Um, the four R's of revival, a sustainable revival. We saw a revival break up in Asbury just a couple of weeks ago, and it was God's providence. On Generation Z, that I would have to say of my own observance has probably been the most cynical generation because they're the collateral damage of a very broken, dysfunctional and wicked world, but then also levels of hypocrisy in the church. And as a result, they've grown up in suspicion. And there's a reason that they have been labeled the most anxious generation. We reverse that label in the name of Jesus. And we declare that they would be the most faith-filled and peaceful generation. What the enemy meant for evil, God is gonna turn around for good. But I want you to see the picture of what God did in Asbury at the, at the college campus there in Kentucky. It's not lost on me that even in places where God isn't invited, and there's a lot of places in America right now where they've tried to push out God. But have you noticed he doesn't obey their rules or look at their signs? <laughs> you know, he's like, I know that you're doing a lecture right now saying that, you know, God is dead and God is purely just a figment of your imagination or a crutch for the weak. However, I'm going to turn up and I'm going to turn up strong. I mean... The entire nation was talking about what God was doing in the hearts of those young people. How beautiful is God? And revival is, is a word that has been tossed around and it's actually God's heart and intent for every nation. And we saw him do it in Nineveh, didn't he? Jonah turned up with the word of the Lord and the Bible says the entire nation was saved from the king. From, from the king's palace to the, you know, the, the shopkeeper down the street, even the cows were repenting. <laughs> the king of Nineveh even made the cows sit in sackcloth and ashes. It was a complete transformation. The revival that, that happened in Asbury is not something that needs to be confined to Asbury or, or start and end with, hey, isn't it beautiful what happened there? But it's kind of happened and it fizzled out. Like, we want to build a sustainable revival. A revival that starts but then doesn't end and has reverberations across the nation. But because we reduce everything down to a feeling and an encounter, we don't realize that revival looks different in different phases. And there's actually some things that we can do as God's kids in this era to be sustained revivalists. We can sustain a revival through America. Doesn't need to start and then fizzle out and end. It can be sustained. We can truly see this nation turn around. And so I wanted to talk about four things that are required for a revival to be sustained. And they're all ironically ours, the four R's of revival. So you ready? Okay. So the first aspect uh, that I believe God will look to us as his sons and daughters to take responsibility to sustain this revival is in the area of relationships. When revival happens, relationships are changed for the better. Now, when Jesus came, we know that he hung on a cross for us and it's not lost on me that that cross has a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. The vertical uh, speaks to the reconciliation between God and man. And the horizontal beam speaks to the reconciliation between man 
and man, men and women, us, like each other. So there was a tear when sin entered the world. The tear happened between God and man and man and man. If you look at Adam's first confessions after sin entered the world, it reveals everything. After sin entered the world, the Bible says that God came down and cried out, Adam, where are you? And Adam's response was, I was afraid and so I hid. God, you're scary. I blame you. So there was a a tear and a renting in that relationship. And then his next statement, the woman you gave me. And it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? We're probably, there's men still using that today and women. (laughs) But we, we, instead of taking responsibility, we blame God. It's because you're scary and it's the partner you set up with me. This is why my life is dysfunctional. But Jesus came to repair both of those relationships. First of all, the relationship between God and man. And I want to tell you today, as your pastor who loves you and is here for you and an encourager, and we want to comfort you when you're sad and challenge you when you need to be challenged, but all that aside, you need to understand your relationship with God is your responsibility. If you put on other people, even a pastor, to make them the steward of your soul, and this divine relationship, you will be let down every single time. Every single time. So how do we stay in communion with the Father? How do we keep this relationship reconciled? Well, the first thing is accepting God's offering, Jesus Christ, as the, as the, the, the gap filler between, you have to accept Jesus Christ. You must be born again, the Bible says. But the way we stay connected to God And in our relationship with God is actually the way that we got it to start with. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that when God created man, he formed man from the dust of the earth and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam became a living being. How we stay alive to God, how we keep that relationship with God is the same way we got it, by getting the breath of God in our lives every day. And sadly, revivals aren't sustained when we substitute the breath of God for the breath of men. And the breath of men will never satisfy you. It can be odorous and unpleasant at the best of times. But if we talk about it from a spiritual aspect, like, yes, you know, pastors and good Christian friends, we need them. We need the body of believers. But it can never be a substitute for this. Getting the breath of heaven on the inside of you. Many years ago, uh, there was, there was a, a church scandal in Australia. And, you know, church scandals are going to be here till the end of time because people go to church. And wherever there's people, there's going to be potential for scandals. But I will add this to it. There are far less scandals in the church than there are in the world. Never forget that. <laughs> the odds are still in our favour. And never be confounded by the fact that Especially right now, a lot of things are being thrown out into the spotlight. You have to kind of see it for what it is. It's, it's, it's the tormentor, it's the devil, it's the, it's the accuser trying to besmirch the house of God and his servants. So, you know, don't buy what they're selling. However, I will say this. There was a church scandal and it was, there was a worship leader in Australia who pretended faked that he had cancer to get attention and then wrote a song about God being his healer. It was actually an an amazing song. But then his secret was found out and it was like a national disgrace. And I remember someone saying to me at that time, somebody coming to me, I was maybe in my late 20s and saying, oh my gosh, this is gonna devastate the body of Christ. So many people are gonna lose the faith over this. And even in my 20s, even as a less mature Christian, I thought to myself, well, why? Why should the actions of a man change how we view God? Like, this guy, as broken as he is, he didn't die on the cross for my sins. He, he, he doesn't, he, he hasn't made himself as intercessor, advocate to the Father for me. He's a man, and men do foolish things. And so I had to then encourage a group of people who wanted to toss God out because of the poor and wicked actions of men. Actually, you know what? God hasn't changed. 
God is good, God is true, and if we make our faith or build our faith on the basis of men's behaviour, we will always be shaken. It's the big difference between being introduced to God and getting to know God. When we come to the altar, when we have an encounter, we are introduced to God. But it doesn't finish there. Now we have to get, get into the, go on the journey of getting to know Him. And my friends, when you get to know God, there is no scandal that comes your way that will be able to shake your faith because I know who He is. So I don't equate the broken actions of man to the character of my Father. I know who He is. Remember what Jesus said. He said, when I return, he said, I, I, I'm, people will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. I turned up on altar calls. I went out on outreaches. I was, I was working for you. And his response was, depart from me, for I never knew you. He didn't say depart from me because you secretly smoked cigarettes and, you know, kicked a puppy once. He said, depart from me, I didn't, I didn't know you. You weren't in relationship with me. And one of the reasons a revival isn't sustained, I think, especially in this nation, is because we've made idols out of men and women. And so if the pastor falls, and we're seeing it happen occasionally, if the Christian next to you disappoints you, we equate it to God and we toss God out. It shouldn't be this way, my friends. Like, it shouldn't be this way. So Jesus came to restore the relationship between God and man, and that relationship is your responsibility. What are you doing with the privilege of your relationship with your Heavenly Father? Are you making it Pastor Michael and Lisa's responsibility? Now, they're good shepherds. They're great pastors and they're gonna do their due diligence with what God has asked them to do. But do you have a walk with God? Do you read your Bible? Do you wonder why maybe your faith leaks every time you go out into the world because the only time you open your Bible is in church on Sunday? The only time you hear praise and worship music is when these guys are singing it on the stage. Like imagine if, imagine if we made our relationship with God our responsibility and a priority. And like King David said in Psalm 5, we said, Oh God, my voice you will hear in the morning. I will look to you. A lot of people fall because they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking to men. And if you have your, your eyes on men and your hope in how they're going to behave, you will be disappointed. But if you have your eyes on God, just like King David said, oh Lord, from where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My eyes are on the right thing. We want to sustain a revival. We've got to have our eyes on the right thing, my friends. We've got to have our eyes on the right thing. So Jesus came to repair this relationship, but then also this one. And this can be a little more difficult because unlike God, humans are not perfect. And God created the church in all its resplendent glory. But do you know that it's kind of like a, a, a modern version of the ark that, that Noah managed that had animals of every kind? You might find the same thing in church every now and then. It's like the modern day ark where you're going to be around people that maybe aren't your first preference. And God allows it. And He lets it happen. And as much as you don't want to sit next to that person that rubs you up the wrong way, there they are again. And then you think, well, what if I change churches? And then you go and you find that same person there. They just look a little bit different because God is teaching us something. You know, these relationships aren't going to be easy, but they're the preeminent thing. The Bible tells us that the world will know that we belong to Jesus, that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And love is a doing word. It's not a feeling, it's an action. And as we say in Australia, it can be hard yakka sometimes. Love, is, love can actually be one of the hardest actions you will ever engage in. Loving someone that is a little bit unlovable. Forgiving someone that you don't want to forgive. The older I get, the more I realise you could almost distill down every problem in the church to relationships. 
relationship with God, when that gets fractured, everything else falls apart, and relationships with one another. People will usually come to church because they're looking for God, but then they would leave a church because a relationship is soured. It ought not be this way, which means that we have to be watchful and intentional, and we have to be prepared to take a little bit of a battering every now and then. We would all say that relationships are the most valuable thing we possess, but then with the same breath, we also think that they shouldn't cost us anything. Oh, my relationships, my friendships, my husband, my wife, they're the most valuable thing to me until it comes at a personal cost. Forgiveness, what's that? I want you to forgive me, but I'm not forgiving you. Patience. Well, I, can, I want people to be patient with me, but I'm not going to be patient with you. The longer I live, the more I realize relationships mean inconvenience. And inconvenience, I've got to forgive you when I don't want to forgive you. The, the older I get, the more introverted I want to be because I have more responsibilities and sometimes people mean problems and pain. And God, maybe I could just sit in my car. And... But unfortunately, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me, which means I don't always get to do what I would prefer to do. I don't want to go to your party with 100 people at it, but I will because I value relationships. (laughs) I don't want to necessarily get over it when you say something unkind or you backstab or you betray, but I will because I value relationships, not just these ones, but this one too. I don't necessarily want to do a whole lot of things that relationships require of me, but but I do them because this is the preeminent thing. You know, we have marriage conference coming up, and if I had a dollar for every conversation I'd had specifically with husbands or wives who speak of their husbands and go, you know, I really want to go, but my husband doesn't want to go. He doesn't like big groups. I mean, if we could distill the problem down, that's it. People just don't want to do what they should do, and so their relationships suffer. Well, I don't feel like going out. I don't feel, I don't feel. Well, what do I do if I don't feel? You know what you do if you don't feel? You do what's right. You do what's virtuous. You do what's noble. If I only ever did what I wanted to do, nothing would get, would get done. Nothing would get done at all. My relationships would be fractured. My marriage would be in disarray. My house would be untidy. I'd have no friends. I'd be crying alone in my car, going, God, what's wrong? And he'd be pointing, going, you. You've got to start doing some things you don't want to do. If we want to sustain a revival, we've got to get good at relationships. We don't get to dodge this ball anymore. We don't get to be bitter and stay bitter. We don't get to sit in church up the back, swirling our Starbucks like a witch's brew, (laughs) glaring at the parishioners, sending daggers to people. We don't even get to be introverted all the time. You can have moments of it, and I understand. Some people like to, you know, they need to decompress alone. I'm definitely one of those people. But the Great Commission kind of blows introversion out of the water. Go into the whole world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you because you'll need me to the end of the age. I'm going to help you do what is difficult for you to do. And that is relationships in a nutshell, isn't it, my friends? So if we want to see a sustained revival, we got to get this right and we got to get that right. And the second R is this, responsibilities. So after God got Adam and set this relationship up and set this relationship up, which I think he was thankful for and mad at him for, he gave him a job. He put him in a garden. He put him in a garden that he didn't own, but God asked him to tend and to keep. Every man and woman has a God purpose, a God assignment. Not one single person is disqualified from that. God has created each of us with a certain set of giftings 
that we're gonna use to, to bless and build our own lives and bless and build our own families and, and leave a legacy from one generation to the next. But that gifting and that talent on your life is not just to build your own kingdom, it's to build the kingdom of God. There is something specific and unique God has put on your life that He has purposefully intended for you to use to build the kingdom of God, to build for, for a legacy and an eternity that is gonna echo throughout the ages. God has called you to do something. He put Adam in the garden to tend and keep. He gave him a purpose. Even look at Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter by trade but he had a God assignment on his life. Hey, you're gonna be a carpenter by day, but by night, you're gonna be the savior of the world. <laughs> and at the end of it all, Jesus said this in John 17, four to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, I can't tell you, this is a relationship, this is, excuse me, a conversation that you need to have with your heavenly Father. What is the work that God has given you to do? Not just the work that builds your own kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to have a great life. He wants you to be blessed and he wants you to be able to, to, to bless your children after you. But what is the work that God has given you to build his kingdom? There's a story in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the talents. And most Christians know about it. They know the, the three different servants and they're each given a certain amount of talents. And, and the first two, two servants got what the master gave them that belonged to the master. Again, these talents that were given belonged to the master and they developed and they multiplied them. And the master came back and said, well done, good and faithful servant. But then that third servant, something happened, something shifted, he had a different spirit. And so he was given one talent and the master came back and came to him and came to call an account for what have you done with the one talent I gave you? And I mean, this passage of scripture is a masterclass in psychology. So the servant comes to him, the one talent servant, and says, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you hadn't sown, gathering where you hadn't scattered seed. In other words, you gave me responsibility for something that I didn't even own, and you were gonna get the return. I'm willing to work my butt off for me, but I won't work my butt off for you. I will use my gifting for me, but I'm not gonna use it for the master. I will use my gifting to build my own kingdom, but I'm not gonna use my gifting to build the kingdom of God. And so I buried it, and then the master comes and says, you wicked, lazy servant. I put something in your hand that was gonna bless you, but yes, it belonged to me, but unfortunately, because of your selfishness and your short-sightedness, and then it goes on to say, and then he was cast out into a place where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is in the New Testament, savage Jesus. <laughs> but I, I say all that to say this, what, what has God given you to glorify his kingdom with? And, and you may be right now just using it to build your own kingdom. Have a conversation with God. How am I meant to use my giftings to bring you glory? The truth is the gifting on my life, as much as it blesses me, it's not just for me, it's for you. The blessing on Jared's life, he could go off and be the next, I don't know, Richard Marks, someone just as epic, use his unique set of skills to build his kingdom and God will bless him because of the gifting on his life. But Jared's gifting is not just for Jared, it's for me. And I'm very blessed by it. DJ's gifting to be an epic actor to portray Jesus like none have ever portrayed Jesus to hang on a cross and sing that incredible Brian Adams song and bring everybody to tears like it's gonna bless him and it has blessed him but his gifting is not just for him, it's for me and I appreciate it. It's for you guys. The gifting on your life is not just for you. It's for the building and the glorifying of the kingdom of God on earth. Because one day we're gonna stand before God and like the master in the story in Matthew 25, he's gonna come to, 
to us and ask for an account to what he's entrusted us with. And I want us to all be able to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's in the big things. It's in, it, it's in the way we respond to what God's given us. It means that we're going to have to be unselfish and actually think a little bit bigger than the world has taught us to think. But it's also in the little areas. You know, when I think about our city and how we could sustain a revival in a very practical way, it's taking responsibility for things that aren't our responsibility and the things that nobody else wants to take responsibility for, a.k.a., a public restroom. I mean, they are horrid places. I don't know what happens in public restrooms. It's like people behave like they would never behave in their own bathroom in a public bathroom. And many of you have heard the story about how Pastor Jürgen God spoke to him and said, how are you going to clean up a city if I can't entrust you with a public restroom? I mean, what a word. I remember every time he would share that story and he would go in and clean up messes and you know, under assignment from the God. See, sometimes the assignments are not flashy. They're very unflashy. They're very unflattering. They're the things that nobody else wants to do, but we want to sustain a revival. Then we're going to have to get good at doing the things that nobody else wants to do and things that aren't even our responsibility. Why would I clean up that mess? It's not mine. Well, I suppose Jesus could have said the same thing. But he didn't, and he came down and he took responsibility for what wasn't his responsibility. And now he's asking us to do the same thing. Just recently, I walked into a public restroom of a a restaurant I frequent, and good God almighty, it was a hot mess and a spicy disaster all at once. It's like people walk in and they're just hand towels. Go into the stall, toilet paper. Then never flushing flush, what's that? And then water everywhere. I mean, what are people doing in there? And they just walk out all prim and proper and sit down with their knife and fork. I'm like, we know what you did last summer because I just went in there. But but I I would always dodge when Pastor Jürgen would talk about how God had spoke to him about the public restrooms. I'm like, well, thank the good Lord that that anointing only fell on one Metesius. But then I felt the burden shift. And as I walk into this restroom, I'm like, how can I call myself an upstanding citizen of San Diego and someone who cares about the little things? And how can I preach others if I don't preach to myself? Leanne, you got to clean this mess up. And so I grabbed a paper towel as a shield and I was picking up and flushing and not looking and flushing and wiping up water and getting everything settled. And then a woman walked into the restroom and she tapped me on the shoulder, and she goes, um, excuse me, do you work here? And I said, um, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. She said, oh, well, good, because there's no paper in this stall. Can you get on that? But the truth is, I, I do. I, I, I work for my city. I, I take responsibility for the things that nobody wants to take care of. It's not just all... Stages and microphones, it's, it's what's in the unseen. Will, will you be responsible for what other people disregard as superfluous? One of the first times I got to spend uh, one-on-one time with Michael and Lisa, we were actually going through a walk through Big Bear and we're just having a conversation. He's talking and then all of a sudden he stoops and just starts picking up trash. I was like, Peter, with Jesus, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful woman. <laughs> like, I, like my mind was rocked, like this... This guy is taking responsibility for something that's not his responsibility. Nobody's given him a paycheck. The government doesn't send him a stipend for doing their job. But he realizes, if I want to sustain a revival, then I'm going to have to do some stuff that nobody else wants to do. (laughs) 16 campuses, wow. And we have... A few people occasionally come to us, why has the church got to get so big? Why do you have to have so many campuses? Why don't you just have one, greedy? And to be honest, you know, the fleshly part of me agrees with them. I loved it when our church was smaller. Small church, small problems. Small church, small headache. But when you're faithful and responsible with what God has given you, you'll find that just like the story of these two servants who were faithful with what God gave them, the result was increase. 
more responsibility, more stewardship. Can we be responsible to use the unique giftings and talents that God has given us, not just to build our own lives and our own futures and our own legacies, but will you use your gifting and talents that were given to you by God to build His kingdom? Because one day we're all going to stand before the master and he's going to ask us to give an account for what he put in our hand. If we want to sustain a revival, we've got to be responsible. And then thirdly, our representation. How do we represent the Father? You and I, as Christians, are walking billboards for the kingdom. Philip asked Jesus, oh Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus got a little bit offended. And he's like, Philip, are you kidding me? Are you flipping kidding me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Can the same thing be said about us? Clearly to a lesser degree. (laughs) But can the same thing be said of us? Can people see God in us? Are their lives better because we've been around or worse? Or do we carry the same spirit of the world but just pop a Christian bumper sticker on it? Are we different people? When people see us, do they see the Father? We live in a world that is desperate for the real Christians to stand up. The Bible says the whole earth is groaning, waiting for the revelation or the manifestation of the sons of God. The world is looking for true, it's looking for authentic, it's not looking for phony, it's not looking for just a WWJD bracelet, it's looking for people who actually don't wear the bracelet but live, what would Jesus do? People who are so completely surrendered to God, we don't know where you start and God ends. Like it's, wow, I see God in you, I see God in you. And right now across our world, it's it's such a perfect time for for the light of the sons and daughters of God to shine brightly because the world's dark. But to me, that's just a perfect opportunity for you and I to shine bright like a diamond. You know, God doesn't need our good works. He sent Jesus because we just couldn't do it. But you know who does need our good works? People. Your neighbour does. Your neighbour needs them. The Bible says in Matthew 5, that all men men would see your good works, your representation, and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said this. He said, I want you to be watchful for two things. I want you to be watchful for the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. So what's he saying here? There are going to be two things that are going to try their hardest to get you to add them to, to the bread of heaven, these two leavens that are going to spoil everything. One of them is the, the pharisaical spirit. And we see it like the, like the legalistic and the life fun suckers. And they love to point out everybody's sin, but they're oblivious to their own. It's like they don't own a mirror. Oh, but they can tell you you've got spinach in your teeth. They can tell you that your skirt's tucked into your underwear. They can tell you that you got toilet paper on your shoe, they can tell you you've got mascara running down your face, but they're oblivious to themselves. And like the Pharisees, they want to crush people with religious demands. They want to be, tell people to be holier than God, the Bible says, but then not even so much as lift a finger to help release them from the burden. This is what Jesus said of the Pharisaical spirit. So Jesus was warning us, watch the Pharisaical spirit, we'll all be tempted. Oh, look at this carry on self-righteous and we point out, well, yeah, we've been sent as the answer. We've been sent as the ones who are actually meant to lift the burden. The majority, now there are, there are a bunch of people who have sold their hearts to the devil and they hate God and they don't want to know him. But then there are a lot of people that have been bewitched and intoxicated by the spirit of the world that we are foolish if we condemn and don't see that they are in fact the mission field. Never confuse the spirit of the world with the people who have been intoxicated by it. 
they're the mission field. And I pray they come into our church and I pray they find arms of mercy and the word of truth to set them free. And I pray they find Christians who aren't so self-righteous that they can say, come one, come all into the house of God because this is the house of healing and transformation. And then on the flip side, he said, I want you to beware of the, the leaven of Herod. Now, this is that worldly spirit, that spirit that says, oh, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, I'm free to do whatever I like, and then we use our freedom to live irresponsibly, not thinking of our neighbour, and we lead others to sin by our example and our misrepresentation of what true godly freedom looks like. And Jesus is saying, be neither of those things. Be careful, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, because they will both misrepresent the Father. Just recently, our church was in Israel. And the best way to, to properly illustrate this point is by this story. On one hand, we were out on the Sea of Galilee, the, the Sea of Galilee, and I was not able to be there. They're gonna show a video of this particular day in Israel. I came a little bit later. But it was a profound moment of worship on the Sea of Galilee as people were just in awe and adoration over what God was doing and, and thanking Him for His love in this beautiful place that represented so much history and a place where, where Jesus walked and talked and, and sat with His disciples and ministered to people. And it was like it was profound and it was restorative and people were refreshed and many were moved to tears. I'm not sure if we have that video. We have it? Yeah, go ahead and play it. Are you saying yes? No. No. Oh, all right. All right. Well, that's what happened. You won't get a visual, so just see it in your mind's eye right now. Like profound, profound. Leanne and Brian Yaba were there and yes. Where's your husband though? Oh, Abby, Abby. Okay, and Kyle's up there. Abby and Kyle were there. And um, it was just profound, like beautiful. But then no sooner had they sailed into the shore and were sat down at a restaurant on the Sea of Galilee, enjoying fish and chips and just having a great time, as our crew do. And the owner of the restaurant came out and said to my husband, hey, would it be appropriate for us to put music on? If we put music on, do you think your, your people will appreciate it? And Jürgen said, do you think they'll appreciate it? Do you think they'll like it? I don't, you know, you just need to be prepared. If you put music on, our people are not going to stop dancing. <laughs> and so for two hours, for two hours... Our people were dancing and Pastor Jürgen was break dancing and my parents were slow dancing. From the oldest to the youngest, every person was engaged, fun, having fun, like enjoying life. Which one was God in? Was he in the Sea of Galilee? Oh, there we go, look at this. Like everyone, look at this, look at this guy. Okay. So God was in the holy, reverent, all worshipful moment and he was in the dance party afterwards. God is life-giving, he is fun, he is fun and he's holy, he's all those things at once. Now the religious, Apparently, Leanne was telling me that there are a couple of people that walked in just as our dance party was ending and Christian Waples jumped off a chair doing a somersault. And they're like, oh, 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 dear God, clutching their pearls. God is in both. The reverent, the sacred, the holy, the fun, they're all holy. Have a think about it for a second. How many celebrations? did God make the Israelites have on their way out of Egypt on the way through the wilderness? He told them at one point every five days, okay, y'all, you got too serious. You need to stop and have a party. Praise break. Like, open your mind to, to who God truly is. 
He is all things holy, reverent, and He is all things life-giving. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. How do you represent Jesus to our community? How do you represent Jesus to your kids? Oh, you gotta walk that line. Fun and holy. God gave me that word for our cherished women's ministry. He said, it's kind of been two camps where they've been all rigid and we're gonna, we're gonna sit around and we're gonna knit and we're gonna crochet and we're gonna drink cups of tea, right? So there was this, this side and this other like real housewives of Sodom and Gomorrah thing going on. And so he's like, I want, I want you to show my daughters the balance. We are holy. We, we are reverent. We, we don't have to cross boundaries, but we are fun. We are life-giving people because we have the Spirit of the living God on the inside of us. And we're not going to trade it for anything. We're not going to take from the leaven of Herod, and we're not going to take from the leaven of the Pharisees. We are going to walk that line and live like Jesus did. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The final thought as we come to a close, the final R is repentance. Something very wicked happened in this last season, and that was that sadly a lot of preachers who had gone a bit woke tried to disparage the importance of repentance. But repentance isn't a, a cruel, hard, condemning word. Repentance is a liberating friend. Coming to God, that's why Jesus said when He taught His disciples to pray, when you pray, Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Repentance is important, my friends. And if we want to sustain a revival, then come to God every day in a heart of repentance. Father, forgive me of my sins every single day. Wash me clean. Now, it's a reminder to ourselves in many ways because when we receive Christ, we receive His righteousness. But to remind ourselves, God, we are, we are washed, we are righteous. And I come to you with a heart posture of repentance. The prophet spoke to, to Solomon in the book of 2 Chronicles and he said, if my people, he didn't say if the world, if the broken people of the world, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. What does that mean? Repent. What is repentance? Turning around. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Sounds like revival to me. Sounds like revival to me. Revival starts with repentance. Repentance. I give you my life, my whole life. I give it all to you. I don't hold anything back. I have zero regrets and only a life full of joy by giving every part of Leanne Metesius to God. Close your eyes and if you're here today and... You need to come to God. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe you've never come to the Lord and said, I am sorry for living my life without you. I wanna make you my Lord and my Saviour. If you're here today and that's you, I want you to lift your hand up nice and high. I wanna pray with you. Lift it up nice and high so I can see it. The Bible says in the book of Acts, I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I see that hand up the back there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Two ladies already. Anyone else today? Is there anyone else? Beautiful. Wow, three people already. Maybe you're here actually and you gave your life to Jesus once, but you took it back and you're here today and you realise, my gosh, that was a foolish decision. I need to give my life back to God. I want to repent again today and I want to hand my life back to the Lord today. If that's you, lift your hand. See that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Beautiful, I'm so glad you're here, I see this hand. Beautiful, yes, this lady up the back, hands everywhere, this is fantastic. Wonderful, praise God, I see this hand up the back, wonderful. Wonderful, 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 so many. My gosh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna take a minute actually, because there were so many people that raised their hands and I wanna invite you down the front so I can pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Would you walk down and meet me down the front here and let me pray for you? If you raise your hand for any one of those, just come, come one, come all. This is a divine moment. We are so proud of you. Awesome. Praise God. I'm proud of you. Wonderful, wonderful, come on, come forward. God bless you. Yes, come, come, come in close, because there's quite a few of you. Nice to meet you, what's your name? 
You've got a great strong grip. You're a strong man, Fernando. Come on forward. This is beautiful. So this is not the end. This is just the beginning. Do you know that? Best thing I ever did was give my entire life to God. I didn't hold anything back. And it was a life full of adventure. It has its ups and downs. But you know what? I always had God with me, the presence of God with me the entire time, the knowledge that God was with me. And that's what you're going to feel too. And actually, I will say, tell me your first name. Greg. Greg. Ray. God has had his, his angels out after you for a long time. Yeah, He really has. To bring you here to this point. Do you know that's the job of angels? To, to bring us to the point of salvation, to, to warfare, to get us to this place. So we're high-fiving your angels right now. That's why the Bible says the angels celebrate in heaven when somebody come, gives their life to God because it's like, mission accomplished. So God is so proud of you. Like His, God's eye has always been on you. Even if you have felt like overlooked or unseen, your heavenly Father's eyes have already been on you, always been on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he loves you very much. Is this your wife? What's your name? Hi, Bree. Nice to meet you. Yeah, beautiful. I'm proud of you guys, and I'm grateful for every person that came down today. And what I want you to do is just close your eyes, and everybody around here is going to close their eyes too. And we're just going to pray a prayer inviting Jesus into our heart right now. Just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I hand it over to you. I thank you that you have forgiven me that you've washed away all my sins, that you've given me another chance, that I'm born again. I'm not the same anymore. I'm a new creation. Today, I make a decision to walk with you all the days of my life and to never let go of your hand. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a new life. I commit to you for the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you guys. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.